At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis. America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience, passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis. Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chicken Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Hey, everybody, welcome back to this episode. I am so excited. I'll tell you what, we have the, today's guest. <laughs> We've been talking in the green room, and we probably should have been recording all the goofy things that we were talking about because we have so much in common. Uh, gosh, I'm just so excited to have you here today with us. So let me introduce you. Uh, Dwan Bent Twyford is known as America's most sought after real estate investor. And her short bio, and I, I can read her bio, but you all can read it in the notes. But she has really her story is going from Denny's to Diamonds and doing that with real estate. And I know that there's a multitude of stories behind all of that. Um, she's also a podcast host and her her podcast, and I just lost it. Juan, so why don't you say what it is? It's called the most real estate podcast ever. There we go. And we'll have a link to that. I lost that piece of paper. I don't know what happened to uh, yes. the most wonderful. And I love that, that you have this, this lighthearted, you know, living life. Uh, yeah. I know you and your husband work together, which is really great. My husband and I do too. And, and yep. I, I just think that that dynamic is really, really exciting. So I want to welcome you to the show. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things today. I know. I'm excited to be on. Finally, we got together. So thank you. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in Ohio visiting my dad. So folks, I'm in my childhood bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> which is so, which is so apropos because as soon as you bedroom. Me, I said, oh, well, that's good. Cause we're going to talk about your childhood. Right? Wow. Westmount, Ohio. I am in Westmount, Ohio in my childhood bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect for that. So, so I know that you're known also as the queen of short sales. And so I yeah. imagine, you know, in 2008 to maybe 2012, maybe even a little bit beyond that, you were quite busy, but let's, let's just step oh, yeah. back in time. Let's step back in time and, and take us through, you know, how did you get into this? What, you know, did someone come up to you one day and say, you should own some property or did you have a family member who inspired you? Because, as we know, your story is that you were working at Denny's. So tell us your story. <laughs> ah, I used to work at Denny's on third shift. So I worked okay. like 10 at night till six in the morning. And I literally got fired at like 345 in the morning one night. And I was just, I just remember walking, looking back at that big yellow sign and thinking like, who gets fired from Denny's? <laughs> and how bad do you have to be right. to get fired from Denny's? Right. And, right. Um, but 
long and short of it, I ended up uh, getting married and now I had a baby and I'm 30 years old and my baby is eight months old and her dad and I kind of unexpectedly split up. So he took off with the money and the car and I lost my house in foreclosure. Like it was a disaster. And so now I have this eight month old baby. I have literally no job skills. Like I was fired from Denny's. I have no job skills. <laughs> and I, and I just thought, you know, I waited until I was 30 to have kids because I wanted to be that mom that stays at home and does the Girl Scouts and, you know, the field trip mother. And like, I want to be that person. And so now I'm like, my dreams are smashed. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to put my daughter in daycare. I'm going to have to get a job. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to put on my big girl pants and I'm going to figure out a way where I can work for myself and work from home and not just drop her off at daycare and, and like everybody else did. And, and again, if anyone's listening, nothing against daycare. But I waited till I was older so I could be that mom and not, you know, have to struggle with things. So now, um, so, so she's born in 88. So this is like 1990. Right. So the only way, and, and Jen, you may know this, but some of your listeners do not. Um, we had to actually find jobs in the classified section of the newspaper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, circling remember? it, calling. Circling, yes. calling and making appointments. Yeah. So I went on a bunch of job interviews. And um, anyway, as luck would have it, I met some people and they said, oh, we're real estate investors. And I and I, I'm honestly, I know nothing. I go, well, what does that mean? I said, well, <laughs> we buy houses and then we fix them up and then we sell them. So my mind being really naive and having no world experience, it's like, okay, they buy houses and they decorate and they sell them and <laughs> I wouldn't get decorated. I have excellent taste. How hard could that be? I'm going right. to decorate. I like fashion. <laughs> right. Honest God, my thought was like, well, how hard could that be to fix up a house? I love, I love to decorate. I like to dress the eyes. I'm like, I can do that. That doesn't sound, that sounds like a fun job. So I, I asked these guys, how do you find them a house? Like I literally... How do you get this? How do you get that? And I would drive to the courthouse in West Palm Beach, Florida. I would handwrite all the foreclosures. I used that map book. We didn't have GPS. Yes, I know. That map book. And I would go door knocking with like a baby on my hip, knocking on doors. And I found a house with this lady. Barbara was my first deal. And I agreed to, uh, if she'd move out, I'd move in. We'd split the profit. I'd fix it up, you know, decorate. And... <laughs> Not the same thing. I had to go to where take classes. was this that you started doing this? In, in Florida. In, Boynton Beach, in Florida. Florida. Yeah. Yeah. In Boynton Beach, Florida. That's where I live. And I went there after high school. So I've been in Florida since high school. And um, I fixed up this house and we split the profit and I made $22,000 on my first deal. Wow. Back then. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, back then I was like, yeah. oh my God, I have $22,000. Like I'm so rich right now. Like I'm the richest person I know. <laughs> that's twenty-two thousand dollars. But you know, it was I mean, that's a lot of money today, but it was like life changing oh. years ago. Well, you know, you know how life changing that is to give you some perspective too, because my son was born in eighty-six. And yep. um my husband and I were married in eighty-three, and I had gotten a job, my first job in the mortgage business, and it was and I was a um well, I studied in college and everything, but I didn't get my job real job and stuff. So I went to, I worked at a tanning salon until I could find what I wanted because I, I couldn't find anything. And way back then those yeah. tanning were horrible, but I was, I thought I had arrived. My job, oh, yeah. my, my first job in the mortgage business was not hourly. It was a salary 
Ha ha ha. And it was a whopping $749 a month. So look at how much that is on an annualized basis. 22,000 is a lot of money. That's two years of work for someone in that time frame. I know it was, I was like, am I like, I said, I'm in my childhood bedroom. So I'm in Dayton, Ohio. And my dad, they were, he worked for the power company and he remarried and my stepmom worked at General Motors. So they were working factory jobs and working for the power company like the whole year and didn't make that much money. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do it again. So I, I, so at this point I have no money. So I move into another foreclosure and I fix it up and I sell it. So I'm moving Ayla around. She's not in school yet. And I made $50,000 on my second deal. And I lost my mind. I was like, oh my God, I'm so rich. And that was it. I was like, I'm not ever doing anything again. I just made $72,000 between these two deals. And that was it. I like lost my mind over that. And you know, I've been doing deals for over 30 years. My daughter's 33 now. So I've been doing deals all these years. And I've done over 2,000 personal deals. Yeah, I love that. And I know you funded, you know, over a billion dollars, which, you know, I, of course I pulled in because that's what I did in lending. So it's great that <laughs> yeah, I found yeah, another yeah. woman, yeah. you know, who's done that. I, I think that's wonderful. So now you've done, you've done all of that. And I know that you're, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about before we start going forward, you know, about what you're doing today and who you're helping and serving, but, you know, imagine there were some challenges that you had as well. And I think that, uh, you know, speaking to breaking through glass ceilings and speaking to, you know, yeah. some of the struggles and challenges to overcome, because a lot of people uh, want to be investors, but they don't they know do. how to take the next step. And you and I were talking about this in the green room. There's a lot of investor wannabes. And um, for me, yeah. I think it's important to be a real estate investor because it creates wealth. Um and it's another it avenue, you know, it's another avenue of income rather than the J-O-B. So what, what kind of struggles or what, what, if you look back on all of that, I mean, I'm sure you've got that one nasty one. You don't have to tell us about it, but what, what have you really learned? <laughs> what have you really learned well, you know what? process, you know, over that time? When I that- started back, so you got to remember, this is like in the nineties. Mm-hmm. So like women are still wearing, like I'm still wearing my bleach blonde permed hair. hair. Yeah, and I'm a single mom, and I've got like you know, the yeah. girls are right there. Yeah, and I think that I had a hard time getting people to take me serious. Mm-hmm. I had a really hard time because at that time there was not even a real estate investing group yet. There were no RIA groups. There was right. no meetup. Like nothing existed. So I had a hard time in the beginning. Um, Good old boys club. People to take me serious and breaking into the boys club, mm-hmm. and but there, a RIA group finally opened up in South Florida, and I started going to it. And the first one I went to, they had 80 people. There was like 80 people there. And I thought, oh my God, look at all these people. And then I remember looking around thinking, I'm the only woman. Women here. <laughs> and I did not realize, like, I, that was new news to me that this was like a man's business. I was like, well, I already done like four deals. So I already made like, you know, 150 grand. I didn't know women didn't do this. So um, I had a hard time getting the guys to take me serious at first. Like, oh, because I was rehabbing. They're like, you don't know. I'm like, dude, I do. I help my dad build this house. I know how to fix stuff. I know how to use tools. I have more tools than you have. And so initially it was just sort of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then, you know, people in town were like, wow, Dwan's like, she's really doing this. So then people started asking me to come and speak. 
like, hey, would you speak at my real estate group? And I was like, sure. Like, what do we, what, how do you do what that? What do I talk about? <laughs> what, what do I do? So we use those uh, transparencies. Remember those transparencies? Oh, yes. I, the overhead projectors. Yeah. The overhead thing. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, okay. So I made uh, some yeah. transparencies and I spoke at a couple of real estate groups. I thought, you know what? I'm going to write a, a, a home study course. I like doing this. I'm really good at it. I'm making a ton of money. So I wrote a home study program. And then I, I, because I was wholesaling so much, I started getting deals were getting too tight. And I started calling the banks and said, Hey, I need you to knock off some of these fees. Like these deals are so tight. And then I like kind of stumbled on short sales. Cause even in like the early nineties, it was not like, um, the tag was not specifically short sales. It was like shorting, right. discounting and different things right. like that. Right. So I actually wrote the very first short sale program for real estate investors and I trademark and copywrote it. And then I got the trademark on the term short sales as it applies to real estate investing. Wow. So I own the registered trademark on short sales. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so then we I got book deals are... and then people gave me book deals and I was like, oh, I can write books for money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to do that. This is exciting. Books, yeah. Like it all just rolled into this big thing. Right. And and I mean, so we really are talking to the true short sale queen. I love that. I am so, the true. And I have the queen of short sales trademarked as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Uh, okay. So, you know, so you stumble upon that. And, and I know over time, you know, there it, the great thing about real estate is that there's an ebb and flow. You know, you can do short sales for a couple of years and then you do foreclosures yep. and you do fix and flips and then you do buy and holds and then you do wraps or whatever, you know, whatever they're going to be and then move into commercial, right? Um, trade in your houses on the monopoly game and, and, you know, get bigger houses, et cetera. Um, as you, as you started making, uh, that transition, you started realizing that, you know, people were going to need you people, you know, really mm -hmm. admired and wanted to, uh, you know, find out what you've done. Where did that take you in your, in your practice? Where did you start deciding to go is, do I still want to stay an investor? Do I want to be a speaker? Do I want to just be a coach to these people? Where did that start taking you? And how did you maneuver through that decision-making? Because that alone is a glass ceiling yeah. of where do I go? It is. I was I was just telling my my coach the other day because I came back from Europe and I and I've had you know some epiphanies and you know how you get it to a Y in the road I'm actually at yeah. a W in the road. Oh, <laughs> I have multiple decisions right now. Yeah, I'm at a W in the road. So imagine back then you were probably at a W in the road where you had all these different mm -hmm. options presented to you. And so how did you um, decide what you were going to do and what was it that you decided was going to be the most prominent piece of your practice? Well, you know, it's really interesting is I, I met another woman. And so we started working together down in South Florida and uh, in West Palm, in Palm Beach County. We started working in mm -hmm. Palm Beach County. So we opened up an office and we hired a few people and we really liked doing real estate deals. But I really, really liked speaking because I had never done it. But I was like a big Tony Robbins, like, woohoo, went to all the seminars. And, mm -hmm. I want to do that someday. And when the chance came to, to start speaking, I was like, you know what? I really want to do that too. So for, I don't even know, for like a decade, we were doing deals, like 50 deals a year and traveling and speaking, like just all oh, wow. the place. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. Because yeah. I still, and oddly enough, I still do all of those things. Like mm -hmm. I, I really like to speak. So I like to train and teach and like bring up new people because we specifically buy foreclosures. I buy specifically mm -hmm. foreclosures. And because I was that broke single mom that went through that hot mess, 
I thought, you know, there's millions of other people in, in the same shoes I was in and nobody came to help them. So I specifically stay into the foreclosure arena because it's, there's no one to help them. People lose their houses every day and no one comes to their rescue. So yeah. I, I guess I still have that. Like I want to help all the people not lose their house. And, but I still like to speak, speak. So I usually travel like about once a month for speaking because I really like it. I like getting new students, I like teaching new people. I like people sending me copies of their check and they made like 80 grand on a deal. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. thank you for letting me be part of that. Yeah. And right now my husband and I, we lost our minds in the last couple of years. We actually bought like 90% of a town. So right. I know. I can't wait to hear about this because I know you're renovating the whole town. We're renovating a town. I was like, what? We have lost our minds. <laughs> but you know, after you've been living for 30 years, like if someone would have said to me even 15 years ago, hey, you guys should renovate a town. I'd be like, oh my God, who could do that? And then now it's like we're doing it. And we even talked one day. I said, I wonder how many people just wake up one day and go, yeah, I think I'll renovate a town. Right. Like, right. That. So where is this town? Don't you don't have to give us the name of the city if you don't want, but where is the town located? Well, it's I'll tell you, it's in Clinton, Iowa. Okay. So so my husband's from Clinton, Iowa. And uh -huh. it's right on the Mississippi River. And we go back for our high school reunions. So right. we're going back. So now we've been married 20 years. So we've been back for a few reunions. And on the last one, it was maybe four years ago. I said, you know, every time we come back, this little, this is, this is one of those little towns that's like on the river yeah, and I, had I like three blocks this way and three blocks this way. Yeah. But then out here, they built the casino and the Walmart and the Target. like Or it's industrial, you know. And pulled everything tracks, away yeah. and the downtown is just sitting there. Dying. Boarded up. Yeah. And um, I said, you know, we need to do something like this little town. It just needs someone to give it some love. <laughs> so we... We call and find out that there's this thing called the Downtown Partnership Alliance. And we have lunch with Karen. We're like, Karen, what do we need to do? Like, we keep coming here every three or four or five years. And this town looks exactly the same. Like, it's like an abandoned. And there's a few buildings and there's a few stores open, but not enough to get people to, like, come downtown. Right. So we find out it's an opportunity zone. They've got all kinds of grants. They've oh got my gosh. so many things available. Yeah. yeah. So we said, well, you know, we should buy a building. A, a building. <laughs> One. <laughs> yeah. This is how I know we've completely lost our minds. So we bought a building and then there was another building right next to this one. And this is a four-story building that takes up an entire city block. It's right. one giant right. building that takes up an entire city block. Well, we happen to know an older man that was friends of uh, my husband's dad, Dwayne. So every time we come to town, Dwayne, you know, comes and sees us and we run around. He's like, you know, he was in his late 80s and we'd run around with him because, you know, Bill lost his dad when he was really young. And Dwayne's like, hey, I know the person that owns that building. Are you interested in that building? I'm like, well, I don't know, for the right price. Next thing you know, this lady calls and says, hey, I talked to Dwayne. I've got this building that's an entire block, the whole block. Four oh, stories. my gosh. And she goes, you know, I'm 78. My husband's been dead for like 15 years. Um, I just want to sell it. And we're like, well, all right. So we took that one. Well, then she told a bunch of the other widows in town that own all these buildings. <laughs> right. They all have lunch or something. And next thing you know, I swear to God, we bought 20 buildings. Oh my gosh. So it was more buildings than it was, you know, as I'm thinking that you own 90% of this town, I, I think all homes, I don't know why. I mean, a, oh no, this is a little has to have buildings. 
three blocks. Yeah. It's like three blocks and three yeah. blocks. And there's a restaurant and a boutique and a coffee shop. And we opened an antique mall. And um, there's just all little shopping. It's like a little shopping, wow. little yeah. shopping mecca. So, so now everybody's coming in. Rehabbing these buildings and putting some businesses in them and renting out commercial spaces. But being part of the downtown alliance, we the downtown pays their taxes into just into this one pot. Everyone right. owns a building, pays taxes, not to the city, but to this one little pot. So now we get to vote on things like we should have a fall festival. We should have a parade. We should have music. We should have these things that bring people downtown. Yeah. yeah. So it's just a, it's booming. It's gone up. The values have gone up 38% in the last two years. Wow. And which is huge for some, uh, you know, for a small town yeah, in middle America. Huge. Yeah. It's because we have, but here, let me tell you. So, so here's what we did. <laughs> cause I like to share. Cause I, I'm yeah. not really. A no, I love it. Thing. I love it. Yeah. But, but sometimes I, I can be like a total gangster. So yeah. <laughs> when you have downtown, if you own a building, you get a one building, one boat. So right. now this is a building that's been sitting here since the beginning of time. Right. And there are a few people that own like a building and live upstairs and they have one business and they all say, oh, we want to make this town big and great and wonderful. And then it comes time to vote and they won't vote to spend money on things. Like I watch a lot of Hallmark. I said, listen, we should be having an Oktoberfest. We should be having a Christmas <laughs> festival. We should be having this and this and this. And that's funny. So some of the people are like, hey, I like Bill and Dwan. Let, let's vote with them. Then there's this other part over here. It's like, we're not doing that. We tried that one time 100 years ago and it didn't work. So I could never get some of these things passed. So I go to the girl, Karen, that runs the downtown. I said, how many more buildings or parcels do I need to control the vote? Oh, and my she gosh. Said, yeah, this more, is gangster you for sure. You can get five more. You can control the vote. And I was like, fine. Okay. Okay. So, sorry. Right. So on this one street over, there's a, it looks like a, a garage for like semi-trucks, but it looks like a thing with three bays, but it's actually three buildings. And then there's a storage unit and there's a parking lot and there's, that's five separate parcels. So I was like, we'll buy that. So we buy that and then we go to the next meeting and then everybody's voting on stuff. And I say, hey, just to let you guys know, we bought five extra parcels. So here's what we're going to do. Right. <laughs> And now I imagine, has this person come back to you and said, oh, I always knew. I always knew it would work. And I knew, you know, the values oh. would go up. You know how Oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started doing Christmas in July, which was the first thing that we got voted down on. I was like, I am really tired of everybody voting me down. I have great ideas. Like, I have right. visions. Yes. And we did a Christmas in July, and like 2,000 people came downtown for two days. Wow. And I was like, yeah. you go, guys. Yeah. So yeah, so now this little town does all this really fun stuff. So oh my I god, that's so cool. Oh, so I'm a gangster when I have to be. So, yeah, you, know, you spend all that but money. it's for we the good so of everybody. Right, right. Well, and it's, yeah. good, it's it's for the good of everyone, and and I think that's beautiful. I love that you guys are doing that. Now, are you looking for another little sleepy town somewhere <laughs> that you can do the same thing? Uh, not yet, because we still have to finish this little sleepy town. We've got we've got about three buildings that still are boarded up that we just haven't been able to get to yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we've started three businesses. We started we actually started some businesses, which I don't really have a lot of retail experience. But I thought, well, it can't be that different from real estate. So I opened like a little antique mall and everybody rents a space and brings up products. In. Oh yeah. Yeah. We opened up a clothing boutique where we just rent. That's just like rent. 
We rented yeah. the spaces and people bring the stuff in. I just had to have someone's cash register. Yeah. So we started a couple of businesses and um, we've had a couple more buildings that we're working on. And there was like four people trying to sell us more buildings. So I tell wow. my husband, like, listen, do not buy any more buildings. Right. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Stop right. buying buildings. Well, I love the restoration. I love what you're doing for small town America. And I think that that's so important. And, you know, I think, I think it's really good. And it show you know, and I think there's a give back, yeah. back aspect of real estate. Yes, you're making money, but I think that, you know, you're probably not making as much money as you could doing something else that would give you a better return. This is a, this is a heartfelt project. This is a project that requires a lot of and blood, it's really sweat, long term. Right. And you have to it's deal long with term and yeah. Yeah. And when they're all done and everything's paid off and everything's been and we're kind of restoring everything like back to the original glory because yeah, the town's beautiful. Yeah. And people want in the sixties put all these like ugly facades on the buildings. Yeah, I guess because it was like the trendy thing. So yeah. we're restoring things back and it really is coming along. It looks so pretty. And everyone that drives down is like, Well, what happened to Clinton? It's like that's why it's bought it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, now everybody's going to go to Clinton, Iowa, um, <laughs> to make sure right. that they. And we've had four or five friends that are investors that bought buildings, and so someone I would say, "Hey, do you have any buildings?" And I'm like, "Well, let me check." And I'm like, first of all, if I sell you a building, because yeah. I have like the low down, the the guys from the bank calls on every building that they get now. Oh wow! So I've actually had four or five people that we know invest. I said, but here's the deal. Oh wow, wow, wow! If you're gonna yeah. invest in this town. You better be voting with me. Yeah. Because I'm trying to build the whole town, right. not just the stores, but all of it. So, right. so we've had about four or five investors come into the town and buy buildings as well. Wow, that's interesting, and it's so cool <laughs> because because you know, as a real estate investor. You know, sometimes the mundane of the, you know, do it again, do it again, do it again. Yeah. This, this, you know, gives you a little spark into that. So I want to talk a little bit about what you think is going to be happening moving forward, because, you know, as you know, we have high inflation. We have, I mean, I can go into all kinds of market data, but I know you know it as well. I'm an expert in all this stuff too, because I, you know, I coach loan officers you and, are. and I, so I need to be involved in it, but the, but so we, we have this high inflation. We have people now. I, in fact, um, I was just on a call the other day with one of my clients and he said that he was getting his hair, haircut and, um, uh, that she said, I really apologize, but I have to raise my prices because of inflation. He's like, no, Hey, I'm getting it. It's, it's, you know, seeping down into every little yeah. service that we all have. And she commented to him that she made her mortgage payment with her credit card. And so that's oh, the beginning. I know. There we go. Now here we start. So yeah. what do you think is going to happen with the real estate market moving forward in 2023? Well, you know, what's interesting is um, I, I haven't gone out for a long time and like just gone door knocking and talking right. to homeowners, like not for a long time. Um, but my daughter and my daughter-in-law's sister, like, hey, we want to start real estate investing. We want to like do what you used to do. We want to go out, door knock, talk to people. So I was like, oh my right. gosh, oh, I've been running deals uh, for a while. I'll go with you. Yeah. So for the last uh, 90 days, I've been door knocking twice a week with the girls. Wow. So I thought, what a better way to see what's happening than to talk to homeowners. Right. So right. on Mondays and Fridays, and you know, like nobody knows who I am. So they don't know. Like, oh my God, this blonde's knocking on who my are door. These people. So right. I, <laughs> this is people. And so on Mondays and Fridays, I've been going door knocking. But you know what I've really found, which 
which is kind of, it's sad, but I, I was a little bit shocked by it. Almost every person that we talked to, they have not made payments since COVID. They're like the least person was 24 payments behind. But every person just about has a new car or a new truck. I know. Uh, I now see. I did additions. People did additions on their house. Uh, and uh -huh. the problem is, like now, Jen, when you go 24 months and don't make a mortgage and payment, <laughs> and you buy you buy trucks, mm. then what happens is you get used to living without the payments. Yes. And I can afford to live with the payment. Like these two guys that we just bought a house from, um, they had $100,000 worth of equity. But the two brothers own this house together. They bought brand new trucks. Now they can't afford their mortgage and the bank wouldn't work with them because they already tried. And so we wholesaled that deal and made 40 grand. I was like, woo, 40 grand for me, 100,000. Well, see, and that's, you know, yeah. And I think that's amazing because, you know, with COVID, you know, there was a reprieve where people didn't have to make payments. Um, And then, you know, and then it came back in saying, no, you do have to make your payments now. Now you have to, but there are, so what you're telling me is there's still people out there not making those payments and, yeah. you know, that loan's going to get called. It's going to get, it's and not because yeah. it's going to get, well, not necessarily, but when they, the bank comes to them and says, Hey, you know, all those back payments of 24 months, some more than that. Um, you owe us 80 grand and they go, yes. oh boy. And so the equity yes. means nothing, you know, means it's nothing. amazing. I so just, you think there will be more foreclosures and I think there will be too. I believe so because I, I have in the last, in the last 90 days, I probably talked to a hundred homeowners because wow. yeah, I'm like, I, I thought, you know what, let me just go see like from the homeowners, like what's happening for real. Because yeah. the banks in the news tells you this yeah, thing yeah. and that. Yeah. But um, nobody, all of them have missed 24 or more payments. Every single person. And like the woman I just talked to the other day, she owes 60 grand to catch up her payments. Well, she can't, so she's got to sell her house. Okay. Is this, this in this other woman, area that you're, is this in your door knocking in, in Florida? Yeah, yeah, this one woman lives up near me in my, in the mountains. And I oh, wow. saw her name on the foreclosure list. I thought, well, it's like a mile running over there. Yeah. And she's got, I don't know, 550000 on her house, but she just got the pay out from the bank and she owes like 62000 or something yeah. in back payments. And, um, just all these people, like one person I talked to owes over 50,000. Another one, I was like 60, like they're not like 20 grand to catch up. Right. Like 50, right. These 60, are massive. 70. Cause you know, houses in Denver, you know, the cheap, cheap, cheap $500,000 house is right. like in the hood. And yeah. So these yeah. people. Owe, so are you, know, are you right. And then are you bidding on these homes um, as pocket foreclosures? Are you bidding on them in that facet? Um, and negotiating, say, you know, well, because we've been door knocking, we're just buying directly from homeowners. Okay. Okay. So they you're just the door, buying that and you're them up to date and yeah. And they're yeah, just kind of walking taking away. over the houses. Yeah. Are you having to pay them to walk away? Give them first and last month's rent for the um, next month? <laughs> I tell you what, a, a few people we've given them a little bit of money to walk away. Yeah. Because they I do have to rent something. Yeah. And if you haven't made 24 months of mortgage payments, it's hard to rent because they run your credit. Yep. But yep. the biggest thing and the most shocking thing is like one woman bought a Mercedes. I'm just like, yeah, all wrong the with everybody? gratification things. Yeah. And they're going to lose their home. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. So, so, so you, I believe they'll uh, be. Oh, go ahead. 
I believe there'll be more foreclosures than what they're saying. I think because so. I've been talking to people in three separate counties and talking to them and looking at their documents. And the banks are not sending any more forbearance agreements. They're not sending any more loan modifications. They, all these people have been processed through and they have foreclosure sale dates set. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, that's really aggressive. <laughs> like yeah. really aggressive. Yeah, I think so too. And that's what I was going to say, you know, so you see a, not a swarm, I wouldn't say a swarm, but it's like a, oh gosh, I have this word, like, I can't think of the word, like a gush of, you know, where this is going to come enough of the bank, the banks are going to say enough is enough. And I think part of that is going to be because of inflation, because of rates being high and high turnover rates on loans, banks aren't going to be making the money that they want to make by holding the loans. So they're going to turn backwards and say, okay, now let's go after the ones we already have in our pocket. If we can't make money on the front side, let's just make money back here. And they're going to start and, calling them. And, yeah. you know, just a really quick point. I know a lot of people, since I still do short sales, um, I know a lot of people that would, what you would call like a level three loss mitigator. Mm -hmm. So that means like this person controls like a quarter of the United States. Right. And they said any loan that's 3% or less. So, you know, there's a lot of 2.2, 3.1. Yeah, let's go after Any loan that's 3% or less, they're taking them to foreclosure. They can lend the money back out at 6.7. Yep. And they said, I don't care if they qualify or don't. If they have a low interest loan, we have set foreclosure dates for them. Yeah. So, they're telling homeowners no on loan mods, no on forbearance. They're telling them no, and they're forcing them through because they can double or triple their money on the interest. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, they have acres of diamonds sitting underneath them. So why yeah. go out, right? Right. And that's what absolutely. the guy said. He's like, any person, I don't care what, if it's 3%, 3.5 or less, we're not giving them any yeah. more chances. We're taking their houses. And a couple of the banks have hired 75% more attorneys. Yeah. Sounds like our government hiring more, uh, you know, tax collectors too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's very interesting. Well, if you're going to be an attorney, that might be one of the good things for you to do, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. So what is but you know the banks have they could go ahead. The the banks could hire more loan loan um loss mitigators like loss mitigate they could hire more loss mitigators and try to work the deals out, but instead they hired more attorneys to push them through. Yeah. This is the first time that I can ever recall, like in all my years where they hired more attorneys than loss mitigation. Yeah. It's like, wow. wow. Okay. So the banks are just like, they're everyone I'm talking with. They called the bank yeah. and they all said no. Right. No. There's a big swoosh that's going to be happening shortly for that. And, you know, for, for those that are interested in becoming an investor or that are an investor and have kind of backed off and said, well, you know, it's too, too competitive for any house because, you know, everybody and their grandma was out buying when rates were low and now it's calmed down. You know, now's the time to prep and get ready to go. So that said, what is your next glass ceiling that you're looking to break through? Oh my goodness. I don't know. You know, I, um, I kind of want to get back into the day-to-day -day of investing for a little while mm -hmm. because I haven't done it for a long time. And cause you know, once you get to a certain point, like people just call you with deals and call you with stuff and yeah. like, it just, it just comes at yeah. you. So I know that for the next 12 months, I'm going to work with the girls and go door knocking and talk to homeowners. But I think what I'm going to do, and I don't know that this is a giant glass ceiling, but every uh, case, I'm taking notes and writing everything down, and I'm going to write uh, or make a program or write a book or something that has like 100 case studies of what's happening to homeowners and how you could possibly avoid these things from happening to you 
and maybe yeah. try to write a book that would be, so I'm going to write another book. Yeah. I already have four bestsellers. So I'm going to write another book. And I thought I was kind of done writing books. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to write There's about always that. a new one in you. Yeah, I know. I'm at like, I'm at number 14 right now. Yeah. I, and yeah. I thought, and I hated, I hated the, even the first one, it was like, ah, fine. I'll write a book. Cause somebody said I needed to, you know, and then it just keeps, <laughs> it keeps coming and coming. And I'm so glad you're going in that direction because as I was asking that question, honest to goodness, I was asking that question. I was like, what's the next thing? And I thought, you know what? It's helping homeowners. Now it's helping homeowners. Yes, it's helping yeah. homeowners. Because yeah. there are millions of people and it's not going to change or go away anytime soon. And, you know, with the interest rates being high, the problem is now that people, if they want to live in this house, yeah. people buy their houses, you and I know, people buy their houses based on their mortgage payment. Yeah. Yep. So with a high interest rate, maybe they can't live in this neighborhood because of the interest rate, they have to live in this neighborhood. Yeah. But they don't want to live in this neighborhood. Right. So they're renting. Right. So they'd rather well, rent, feel- which has a hundred percent interest rate because rents are going up year over year, 7%. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> I feel like there's going to be, you know, and people always say, Oh, do you think there's going to be a big crash? I'm like, well, I don't think like a no. bombshell crash, but the foreclosures are definitely going up and people yeah. cannot make up the back payments. Yeah. So every person mm-hmm. I've talked to, I've taken pictures with them and uh, have them mm-hmm. holding their contract that I've done. And I'm yeah. writing little stories about each person. So I don't know. I'm going to try to do something that maybe helps the people. Yeah, I love that. I love that. But I agree with you. There's not going to be a bubble. We don't have the same circumstances that we had back then um, at all. Yeah. And I, I don't think people understand that. We don't have high, high unemployment. We have, you know, an incestuous demand for property where we didn't have yeah. that before. So, you know, yeah. there's a there's a lot going on. Well, I, I absolutely love it. So tell us just a little bit as we close out our time today, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Um, so if people want to go and listen to your podcast, what can they expect to hear from you on the show? So my podcast is called the most, so my first name is Dwan. And so I took the word Dwan and wonderful and I made a new word. Right. And so it's wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful. So it's yeah. called the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. I thought, you know what? I, I got the pink hair. I got the stuff. I might as well just go like all in on, on the branding. Right. So it's the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. And I actually, I put out 10 shows a month. Um, <clears throat> on Tuesdays, I just talk to the camera and I teach right monologue what's happening and I just talk on Thursdays I interview people and every other Sunday I do a bible study about things that God wants I guess yeah God doesn't want us to be poor no and people don't people I think they think if you're like religious you have to sacrifice and be poor or something so I do a bible study and talk about like all the things that God wants and how to run your business I call it business by the book like how to run your business by the book, like the Bible. and do I love that. Same. I love it. Well, and that's the thing about great Solomon, right? Because there's Solomon's secrets. That's a beautiful yes. book. And then, yeah. um, you know, the book of Proverbs, if you read the book of Proverbs, you'll have an MBA in business. You will. It tells you, <laughs> I, I do a lot of Proverbs. Yes. I tell people, it's like, if you want to learn how to read a, run a business, read Proverbs. That's exactly it. it tells you That's every exactly. single thing on how to run a business. That's right. So, so, <laughs> right. so yeah, I started doing that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. And I said, I don't care if people care if I'm a Christian or not. Like, they don't have to listen to me. You have the button, the ability to just go click and click it off. 
That's awesome. Oh, I love that. Yeah, all right. So all right. Wonderful. So it's called the most uh, the wonderful real estate podcast ever. And we'll make sure that we get a link in, in the notes so that everyone can just go right there as well. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with today? Any words of wisdom or any thoughts about uh, breaking through, you know, different ceilings, um, you know, creating success to significance or real estate investing? What would you like to leave with us today? You know, um, I don't, I, I think off the top of my head, I, I know because I, I still travel once a month and teach workshops and seminars and stuff. And the thing I still see after 25 years of doing trainings is people still saying, I'm waiting for the right time. I'm waiting for the right market. I don't know when I should start. And like people just, I, I went to a workshop just a few weeks ago and there's a girl that's been coming to this radio group for 10 years. Still hasn't thought. Still hasn't started. And I I'm, and I was like, Lisa, for the love of God, when are you going to start investing? Right. Oh, she's, she's like, you know, I'm going to work with you. So she bought this high coaching program that I have. But now I've been seeing the same woman for 10 years. Right. And so I think that people need to stop like waiting for the perfect time and they need to actually just do it. You know, it's like you're yeah. in all kinds of aspects and, and mortgages and all kinds of stuff. And I feel like people are, they always just keep waiting for the right time, but they're, every time is the right time. Yeah. yeah. Every day yeah. is a good day oh to my start. God, I love hearing it. I love hearing every that. So day. I have a, I have the launch book. I was telling you about my first book. I didn't tell you the name, but the yeah. launch, it's called launch, how to take your business to new heights, but we wanted to call it shut the F up and go do it. And then my, my publisher said, that's no, that. you can't be that rude. And I said, no, I know, but that's what I wanted to say. So we start, <laughs> then we called it, then we called it stop talking, take action, get results. And we ended up changing the name to launch, but that is the first thing that I say in the book is stop yeah. talking, take action, stop. get results. Stop. Yeah. And, you know, uh, going around to radio groups in the country, I mean, I'm getting to where I, sometimes I, I like, oh my God, Dwan, I saw you were coming. I came to see you. It's like, but you come to see me like four times. Right. When are you going to do Start. something? Yeah. Start. yeah. You're do so something? I've really been pushing people this year. It's like, you know, I think people just wait till they think it's the perfect market, but it's all fear. the markets are perfect. Yeah. I think it's fear. It's fear. As not, long as you know knowing. what to do, every market's great. Yeah. 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 It's a consumption thing, right? It's like watching Netflix over and over and you watch the whole series, you binge watched it, you know, and now it's over and you haven't done a doggone thing. And, and I think that's, what's important. So yes, I heard you, you know, so if you want to go from being successful to being significant, if you want to make a change in your life, you want to create wealth, you want to break through glass ceilings, you know, stop talking about it, go do it. Right. And you'll stop get talking. I love it. it. I absolutely love it. Well, Dwan, it's been fantastic having you on the show. We've had so much fun, you know, sharing things. I can't wait to be on your show. I'm excited. Um, oh, I know. I'm so excited you know, to have you on my show. We love swapping. When I get back home and I'm not in my uh, my bedroom. <laughs> right. <laughs> right in your childhood bedroom. Well, it gives you some insight into where you came from. And I love your story, you know, going from Denny's to Diamond's fantastic okay. story. And okay. I just want to say again, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. Thank you. Thanks you everyone for Absolutely. listening to me today. Awesome. Well, again, everyone, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to spend your time. It's a time with us. And as a reminder, please make sure you go to Jen Duplessis on YouTube and make sure that you're subscribing to our channel. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast as well. Please don't forget to write us a great review. We love a five-star review and write some comments about what you learned 
in hearing Dwan today so that we can give her that feedback as well. So with that, we'll catch you on the next episode. Again, Dwan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, honey. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets. Fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.